The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today we have a really special guest and a topic that I think many, 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 many listeners are curious about. And our guest today is Allison Nicola. Did I say that right? Perfect. Yay! And Allison is an author, a card deck creator, inspirational teacher, yoga and meditation instructor, energy healer, and she is the national sales and marketing manager at U.S. Game Systems in Connecticut, which is the company, right, that does tarot, right? Yeah. Well, it doesn't do tarot, but it creates like the main tarot decks. So today our topic, I'm excited to learn about all the cool things that you do. She's also a retreat leader and you know how much we love uh, retreats here on Intuitive Connection. But also um, I want to talk about card decks today and I want to learn a little bit more about your process in creating them because you have created some amazing decks and some of my favorite decks. Yeah. And then also how listeners can use that wisdom to use the decks, oracle cards, divination cards in their lives and, and just all that good stuff. So Allison, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's hear about your journey. Sure. What led you to create that first deck? And it's a beautiful deck, the Mudra deck. I have that one. And we'll have all this on the show notes, guys. So no fear. If anything sparks your curiosity or interest, go there and you will find it. But anyway, can you share a little bit about your journey that brought you to that place? Absolutely. I'll do the speed version. (laughs) Uh, Back in 2003, so 20 years ago this year, my father passed away quite suddenly from cancer. And, you know, I was a young, younger mom, you know, two young boys. I was living in Connecticut. Um, I really was, it was just, it happened so quickly. It was one of those turning point moments, right? Crossroads for me. And I just set me on the journey, the seeking for more, you know, the search for more. I wanted to know more. I wanted to find out, you know, the missing links between this world and the other world. It just felt like that's, this isn't all there, there could be. And that was kind of that late mud moment for me. And so tarot was my first tool. I took a tarot class at West Hill High School in Stamford, Connecticut with about 20 other suburban mothers that were seeking 
more information, more tools for their life, more empowerment. And I was really fascinated with the tarot. And also, I just had this innate uh, knowledge about it, but I couldn't recall it. It was like, I know this, I know this, but I don't know it uh, in the, in my conscious mind. So um, I set out to learn as much as I could about the tarot, was practicing that. And then as many of us have experienced, you know, your your path starts and then you go on this kind of winding road where you you dabble over here and you learn that and you learn this and you kind of bop in and out of all different kinds of uh, energies and groups and learning. So, you know, I was on the learning path again. And then in 2008, my kids were getting older, they were in middle school and, you know, growing up, you know, out all day. And I wanted to do something. I was like, I'm ready to go back to work. I hadn't, you know, worked in a while. And I answered a job for a part-time salesperson at U.S. Game Systems in Stanford, Connecticut. So, you know, I showed up at the interview and I was like, okay, here's the card deck that I'm using. And they're right here in my town. There's no coincidence about this for me. And I got the job. It was not, um, you know, just, we just clicked. Uh, and I've actually been there ever since. So that was my, that was the first big connection. There was a lot of things that happened as for many of us on the journey, you know, different, uh, different things that happened, different practices that I was doing, developing my meditation skills, doing some yoga trainings, going to classes, going to circles, going to intuitive development. So I was really in that mode. Anyhow, it wasn't just like I showed up for a part-time job. I was highly interested in the topic. And, um, I did take a break from there. My husband bought a business uh, and he needed my help. So I, I took a little leave from there for about a year. And then I came back again uh, in 2011 and then really started to dig in to some of the things that I was doing. Started to really teach regularly. I was teaching yoga, uh, guided meditations, uh, starting to do a lot of energy healing work. So I was kind of leading that uh, parallel life of, you know, the part-time work and then uh, developing my own skills. And then in 2015, we distributed a card deck, pretty famous, like old school card deck called, now I have to think about what it's called. It's it's written by Gertrude Hershey. So she's a German author and it was a, a, a mudra deck and it was going to go out of print. So um, at the time, my boss, Stuart Kaplan, who since has passed, but he's the founder of the company came to me and said, I know you're a yoga teacher. Would you want to write a mudra deck? And it was like one of those moments. Like I thought like I was in a cartoon and there was like a bubble over my head, you know, which said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I had been going to Kripalu. Uh, I was a faculty assistant there for several years, six years, helping uh, one of my teachers up there pretty consistently. So I was very familiar with the mudras. I was really familiar with the Kripalu style yoga. A lot of my trainings were there. And I was a likely person to do it, to create the card deck. So that was a huge opportunity that I felt was just offered to me very graciously uh, by Stuart. And um, we kind of went from there. I met Sabina, who's the artist, just by looking at her work online and uh, reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to illustrate this card deck. And we just clicked right away. And she said yes. And um, that's kind of how it all started. So it's not really the usual, honestly. <laughs> it's a beautiful story because it's a story of someone who feels a nudge 
feels something, feels like, you know, a call to grow, to expand. And you followed it and you followed the breadcrumbs as we often do. And you listened when, you know, there was a knock at the door, you opened, you know, one door after another door after another door until everything came together. So I think it's a beautiful story. And I think a lot of people, you know, when they look back at those watershed moments of their lives and the the things that really transform them and, and the synchronicities and the way things lined up. And I feel like I'm just throwing a lot of words out there on the page right now. But I mean, I think it's a beautiful story and I think it's exactly how life is supposed to work. It's the best when things are in right timing and you feel it. You know, when you're in that moment, that everything is lining up and it's almost like you're in awe of it, which is exactly what happened to me that day it was just sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm being, you know, getting this offer. And it's about something that I'm really interested in. I've been offered some other projects and things, you know, uh, throughout the years that really didn't resonate. You know, the conscious mind, the thinking mind is like, should I pass this up? You know, somebody is making me an offer. Maybe I should do this. But you know, the heart is always a truth teller. The heart knows is this right? Is this in alignment with who I am? Can I bring this idea, you know, or this subject to life? Can I infuse it with my energy? That is basically how I felt, especially about the mudras. So it's beautiful. And it's a beautiful deck. It's an absolutely beautiful deck. I really enjoy it. And what's nice about the deck too is, you know, you can use it as an Oracle deck you know, what do I need to hear today? But then you also get the mudra. You get the mudra. Yeah. So there's something that you can do when you get it, you know? And so it's both a powerful practice and some 411 about, you know, where you're at and what you want to focus on, which I think is super, super cool. It's a super cool combination. And I imagine you could also use it to learn the mudras or just to practice the mudras and have that energy as well. And there's a few that have become my favorite mudras that, you know, from playing with your deck, because I didn't know anything about the mudras. So I am a fan. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted it to be something that somebody who didn't know anything about it could learn. It could be like a learning instructional um, deck. And then it's also became just kind of like this thing that my yoga teacher friends were like, oh, I'm so glad I have this because I keep needing to re-inspire myself. What is my theme this week? What am I going to work off of? And so they could intuitively pull a card and say, oh, we're going to work with a throat chakra this week and weave in that mudra or maybe the meditative practice. So, yeah. And it occurs to me that some of our listeners might not know what a mudra is. So let's let's have the expert here explain that just just in case. (laughs) Yeah. So everybody has experienced mudras, right? Because we put our hands into prayer and this is a mudra. And it goes through so many different cultures, so many different societies use hand gestures. And so the definition of mudra is a seal or a gesture that comes together to move energy, to create, you know, an energetic signature. And um, we have mudras mostly of the hands and in yoga practice and meditative practice, that's what they evolved out of. Also, they use them um, in India for dance, for expression, expressive mm-hmm. dance. So the hands will st- will tell the story. So there's dance mudras that are almost like a sign language. Then there are also other mudras, locks or seals of different parts of the body. So, um, you know, there's breath practices using your mouth um, in certain ways that would be considered a mudra uh, with the tongue touching the top of your mouth or different body uh, postures that could be considered a mudra. In yoga. Beautiful. Yeah. Tells you where my mind is going because the only American mudra I can think of is the one where someone cuts you off in traffic and you yeah. <laughs> and you show them your <laughs> finger. Or this. 
stop. Yeah, that would be a nicer one than the one I was yeah. thinking about. <laughs> but, you know, when you make that particular gesture with that middle finger, like it is it is a powerful mover of energy. And I think it speaks to that. And I know the mudras are, are a little more sacred than flipping someone the bird, but it's the same thing. I imagine they really become, you know, imbued with energy. The more you practice them, the more you practice them in conjunction with that intention. Mm-hmm. And they're really powerful and beautiful. Not the one I was just talking about. I'd stay away from that one unless, you know. <laughs> That's powerful. But was powerful and I have this little practice, (laughs) I'll share this because it's coming into my brain. You know, one of the ways that I've trained myself away from getting angry, you know, when I'm driving, because it's a normal thing that we often express our anger that way when something doesn't go our way on the road, is if I do feel the need to, or the desire, because there's no need (laughs) to make that particular hand gesture, I will do it covertly. I'll do it covertly. So I won't be in somebody's face, but I'll do it like on the steering wheel. And it does, it just releases the energy. It's like, ah, that made me mad. I'm going to release it and I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then there's no need to blame them or yell at them or potentially (laughs) create a situation that I might not be really happy with when, you know, because people don't tend to respond to that particular gesture with soul. It tends to provoke more angry ego, right? But again, it's, it's that honoring of that. So for me, in fact, it is a mudra. Exactly. One I don't find I need to use so much anymore. So you did the mudra deck, fell into your lap in the most beautiful way. And then now you've done how many more decks since then? I've written eight decks since then. So that was the first. And, you know, even though the project was easy to, had an easy start, I still had to create it. So that was just a challenge, especially when you do something for the first time. So for those listening, and I know there's so many people out there that feel really inspired to, um, you know, get their work into maybe this format or medium. So you have to really have an idea of what the structure of the deck is going to be, who your audience would be. And as I said, I wanted it to be more universal. I wanted it to have uh, beginners or people that knew nothing. And I also wanted people that did know a lot to be able to use it as well. I just didn't want it to be um, too simplistic. I wanted it to have that depth. Right. And it was quite information intense. So, you know, making sure that the Sanskrit terms were correct, that the mudras were correct, uh, matching all of the things up. We fleshed it out around the chakras. So I had to really kind of deep dive into the chakras and which ones were the most appropriate for that. And so it took, you know, it took quite a while to get all of that together to get the structure of the deck going. And also then there's, you know, I had a little procrastination issue in the beginning. So moving through our obstacles is always something when you're working on creative projects. So that was completed and came out in, I think I wrote it in 2014 into 2015. And so by 2016, it was in print. And I was already working on the second deck at that point. I already pitched them to do a second deck, which was Mujas for Awakening the Five Elements. Another 40 uh, Mujas looking at it through elemental context, which is so, you know, prominent, especially in yoga philosophies. So we were right back at it doing that. And then I wrote a two-part Yoga Dogs, Yoga Cats, which was based on the uh, photography of Dan Boris. And I'm sure people are familiar with that. It's those calendars where the cats are doing yoga poses. And so we licensed his um, photography and I wrote those card decks pretty quickly. So that was fun. I was immersed in this world of yoga cards. I would call it that niche. And then just after that, one of my coworkers, Lynn, who's my editor, she's always like a brainstormer. So she came in and she was like, I think you should write a feather deck because I'm I'm just a feather magnet. As you said, I have a lot of shamanic 
connections. And we said that off camera. Yeah. When I was tuning into your energy, <laughs> I always connect with our guides and I say a little prayer. And some of you guys have heard the prayer on the show because I do it when I do readings too. But when your guides came in, Allison, I was like, whoa, she's got, you have a strong shamanic connection. Those were the guides that I saw. It just had a very strong shamanic flavor. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. What were you saying? So, you know, I'll just dial back a little bit. So after my father passed away, I, you know, was really on that search for more. Part of that was, you know, I'm always connecting to nature. I'm always out walking and hiking and, you know, spending time in the garden. And I was finding feathers like beyond not only feathers, but lots of animal totems were coming to me. Uh, animal spirit helpers were coming to me. It, physical animals were coming in my garage. I have honestly a bounty of feathers that's just beyond, right? And, um, you know, maybe 60, 70, 80 hawk feathers that I found in one summer. You know, the hawk was just coming to me over and over and over. Uh, and so my friend and editor at work, Lynn said, I think you should write a feather deck. You're like the queen of feathers. It's just like the most thing that suits you the most at this point in time. So the divine feather messenger was born. That's my favorite. That's the one that I use of your decks the most. And I am an animal totem and somewhat feather girl. And I'm also a complete total bird nerd. So I just, yep. I love all birds and birds are often my messengers. So yeah. So I'm totally curious about this deck. And what I'm curious about too is how do you get the information? Because we're putting together a deck. We talked about this a little off camera too, uh, for Cactus Blossom, which is my retreat property in Escondido. And we're putting together a deck because one of the things that I always do when I lead retreats is I always leave people some time to go off into nature, to be silent, to explore, you know, the property, the land, wherever they are. And Cactus Blossom, we have just beautiful, beautiful grounds to explore and so many animal visitors and bird visitors and feather visitors and plant medicine. I mean, there's just so much going on there. So we're starting to collect the experiences and the signs that people see and how it's transformative for them and, and how they experience it. And we're going to wrap that into a deck so that, you know, when people go home, they can take that with them. But that that's a little bit of an aside. But as I start to feel into, you know, what means what, a lot of it is starting to be based on, again, experiences that I've had or experiences that our guests have had and little stories around, you know, the time that they heard a frog croaking and then they went outside and they thought something was a frog, but it was a rock, you know, <laughs> and that experience. But also I'm getting the long way around to a question of how do you know what means what? Mm -hmm. You know, is it arbitrary? Do you feel into it for you? You know, because I had a dream. I'm going to let you answer the question, I promise. But like I had a dream, I don't know, a couple months ago, in the middle of the night, I dream about or I wake up and I hear about grouse grouse. And I don't know what a grouse was. I'm like, is it a mouse? And it's like, no, it's clearly a grouse. I have no idea what a grouse is. Right. But I wake up in the morning and I ask a friend and a friend's like, a grouse is a bird. Go mm -hmm. figure out, you know, and there's a grouse feather in your deck, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got the message loud and clear. Right. But then the next step is, okay, what is that supposed to mean? Hey, I don't know what a grouse is. So usually I use, you know, Google to get my information. And the first thing that pops up that resonates is what I go with. And I don't remember what a grouse meant to me at that time. But my question is, I get animal messengers all the time. Sometimes I just get random words in the middle of my sleep. But what do you do with that? Like, and how do you translate that into a card deck? How do you decide what everything means? It's a really good question. So I, you know, I like to research. I really, you know, I feel like there's a lot of really good, incredible wisdom that's already out there. 
So, you know, I I think when I started this deck, I had a, a friend um, who has since passed who was very much into feathers. Um, he was the feather smith and he had a lot of, you know, kind of that shamanic wisdom. So he was somebody that I could roll things off of. And he also had an incredible library of books that he allowed me to borrow. So I, you know, I took that resource, you know, maybe like a dozen of the books that he had that I took on loan and, you know, started to just go through some of the things already had meaning to me, as you suggested, you know, you have your own experience with it, but I wanted to have that credibility of like a consensus for, for a lot of that. And then for the messages, those are always just intuitive. So that's just like a download. I just notice how my process goes. I try to give some kind of description or consensus or a little shortened historical or, you know, factual kind of thing or something that's taken from other people's wisdom in the book. And then I leave space for my own intuitive interpretation of what I think that means in the moment. And um, that seems to be how the thing unfolds. I didn't want it to end. I had so much um, fun writing it and just being with the birds. And I tried to include some other things in there for people to think about, like seasonal connections, color connections. And I just like to, you know, blend some other items in there. Because if you're doing readings for yourself or for other people, um, it's nice to have a little bit more fleshed out, you know, information in the book. So, yeah, I've been dreaming about Divine Feather Messenger, like British edition or something. (laughs) I was just there and I was like, there's all these different birds here, you know, in England. And I was like, it would be really fun to do a, a European Divine Feather Messenger or Southern Hemisphere one or something, you know, where you, because people do comment about that. They, they say we don't, these are a lot of these are North American birds that I've included. Uh, that's really true. I would never think about that. Yeah. That's why I hadn't heard of a grouse because I don't think grouse is a Connecticut bird. Yeah. <laughs> so I have two questions for you. Okay. One, did your dad ever leave you feathers? Oh, oh my, my father has left me everything. Meanwhile, he's always standing like literally right on my right all the time. So it's not like he's not right there overseeing and putting his two cents in. But uh, he actually started by leaving me pennies, Canadian pennies, because he was British. And uh, the Canadian penny has the queen's head on it. So he would, leave, he would leave me Canadian pennies. I don't know where they came from in my house. He put them in my shoes. And that's such a specific sign, right? So specific. Because it's not just a penny, but a Canadian penny. Like you can't make that stuff up. Yeah, no. So, you know, I just, I feel like feathers really are messengers. And I continue to find a lot of feathers. Not as many as I did in certain periods of time. So I invite people, if feathers speak to you, because a lot of people really connect to them, notice what you're thinking about. Of course, when you find that feather, notice the colors of the feather. Try to find out what the bird is why that's significant to you. And the feathers are really beautiful energetic connectors because think about your connection through the crown. They're like the animals that are closest to the crown chakra. They're up there in the air elements. So, yeah. I love them. Yeah. For me, birds have been real potent and powerful messengers. And I've talked about this on the show, but... I really, really, really tuned into birds. I've always loved them. And we had hawks living in my yard as a kid. And I just remember just nature, animals. It's always been part of my world. But when I was traveling to Egypt in 2019, which was a trip I was super, it was a game-changing, life-changing adventure for me. But it was a trip I was was very much out of my comfort zone. And I was super nervous to go up until the, you know, the 11th hour. And a couple people did not make that trip because they chickened out. So like, it wasn't just me. 
But every time, every single time that I would get afraid and question that trip, I would look up in the sky and there would be a soaring bird, like a hawk or, you know, something along those lines. Every single time. Now, at the time, I was like, that's just Horace telling me I'm good and I have my protector and I believe that it was. But, you know, to this day, that soaring bird is always now a sign of validation for me. It's just always, you know, and and we have these things. Mm -hmm. And I would say, too, that when you have a sign, I mean, that one appeared to me. That wasn't something you know, that I noticed until consistently every time I had that fearful thought, the hawk was there saying, no, sweetie, it's okay. This is going to be life-changing. Do it, do it, do it. And so I did. But then these things also, they they will take on a life of their own. And if you, you know, I have another client whose husband passed away a few years ago and, you know, every single time we would have an in-person session or a Zoom session, <laughs> wherever she was, a feather would appear, a white feather would always appear. And she was in my backyard before I left Connecticut and I remember one floated down between us, you know, as we were saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and if we have those expectations too, it can sometimes make it a little bit easier for us to attract those things again and again, right? Because when we expect to see something, then yeah. your guides and your angels or your ancestors or whatever you whatever you think is talking to you. And for me, it's often just a beautiful amorphous blob of wonderfulness. But whatever those beings and energies are, even your very own higher self, well, well now you've opened the portal. You've opened the portal because you have that belief that this is a way that my guidance communicates for me. And you don't want to grab onto that portal too tightly. Like it has to be a blue feather from a blue jay at 4.15 p.m., or, you know, I'm not going to take this trip. And I've had people make very specific requests like that and get them too. So I'm not saying it can't happen. The stories I, I can tell from years of doing this work are amazing. But I wouldn't recommend doing it that way. But I would say if you think your loved one is leaving you that feather, they are, right? Like, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And you're also giving them the opportunity to show up as that bird or show up as that flower, show up as that scent or whatever that sign is, right? Because you are having that belief that allows them to come in and share with you. Yeah. And nature wants to communicate with us all on its own. Yes. We're not separate. That's the thing that that we have to keep remembering. You know, that separation is what keeps us in lack and, you know, not feeling happy, not feeling anxious, feeling depressed, feeling this, feeling that. It's because we we have the separation from everything that is. We are part of nature. We are part of the cycles. We are part of the whole. Um, and so as much as we start to feel that, oh, I am part of this, then we, we begin to feel, you know, ourselves like this is the place where I belong. So that's my belief. Absolutely. So that this has helped me. This has helped me with that as well. You know. All right. My second question is, what does grouse mean in your deck? Oh, uh, grouse in the deck. I actually have the deck here, so I'll double check myself. But for me, whenever I see grouse, grouse is like a sacred spiral. So grouse is got, kind of has a finer energy. And um, I, I equate it to like the Sufis doing this spiral dance. That's their meditative practice, right? And so um, the energy of grouse is like part of the ascension process. So for you, dreaming about grouse, is like you're going to be up leveling. It's not, you know, completely ascended. It just means you're moving up in the spiral. You're moving up in the in that process. And I'm going to double check. I'm not going to double check myself. I know that's exactly what it is. I love that. I'm taking that. <laughs> that was a couple months ago. So who knows where I am now? And the funny thing about um, doing a lot of this writing is that 
you can't possibly remember everything that you've written. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to. I knew you had the deck yeah. and the book there. I thought you were, I was actually very impressed that you had so much yeah. on the top of your head. I was like, wow, this woman really holds information well. So the, the message is dance the sacred dance as an intention to reclaim and connect to your highest guidance. So it is inviting you to do more free flow movement, yoga, kirtan, rhythmic practice that allows you to go into a more meditative state, to explore those different areas of meditation for yourself and to allow yourself to move up through the spiral, through those practices. So I love that. Yeah. And it's also a springtime uh, bird. So it's a bird that you might see in springtime. So if you had that dream, I don't know when you had it, but. It might have not been springtime, but. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a few months ago, but it was getting me ready for springtime to exactly. have this conversation with you now. And then I got your feather deck and then I saw that grass <laughs> was in there. But by then I didn't, I did not get the answer from your deck at that time because I did not have the deck. I don't believe when I had the dream, but anyway, it's all good. It's all good. Awesome. I and I also say, and I'm sure you say this too, you always want to feel into, you know, whatever information. If I Google, if I look at a deck, I always vet it with me. I feel into it. Does this resonate? What part of this resonates? You know, sometimes I will, you know, I'll pick a card and I'll open the booklet and one sentence will pop out at me. Like just randomly, one sentence. Like I don't read it from cover to cover. I don't ponder it with my left brain because that is just not how your guidance works, <laughs> right? One sentence will pop out and I'll be like, oh, wow, spot on, good, done. So it's a, around using this as a tool. And I want to talk about this a little bit more with you too. It's the way that I understand Oracle decks and pretty much everything out there in the world that we are we are getting information from. It's you remembering you. And so you want to soften the mind and see what resonates. You know, it's not about the information that's contained there. It's about the information that's contained there, awakening that deeper knowing in you. I absolutely agree with you. And I think the best um, use of Oracle is, you know, to trigger your subconscious mind to remember or to be alerted to things that you need to know because the conscious mind is so busy all the time, isn't it? It wants to create stories out of things. It wants to put things into categories. It wants to create the solutions. And, you know, sometimes the answers for us are deeper within. So just that one word or just the feeling or whatever the resonance of the part is, whether it's the, the art, sometimes it's just looking at the art and you're like, oh, this is what I need to feel today or see or have in my mind today. And sometimes, um, you know, people use it. And sometimes it's a, a warning to say, here, here's a potential. You have free will. You don't, this potential does not have to be your reality. That's another side of, of some of the things. I mean, my decks are, you know, I was with another author, deck creator friend who loves, you know, her, her stuff is like, you know, I feel like I'm like in the Disneyland over here because everything is so colorful and positive and whatnot. And so she likes to do the deep dive into the shadow work, which is just not, you know, has not been uh, something that I've has been an opportunity for me. But again, that, you know, sometimes when we, we dive into the shadow and we get those messages too, it's something that we need to take a look at or um, we have free will to say, okay, I'm going to look at this and then I'm going to heal it and transform it. So I do think there's a lot of opportunity there. I love decks that are positive. Personally, like I feel there's no bad cards. There's no bad cards. And, you know, back to the Tarot, and some people know this story about me too, but in 2018, 
I was at a networking event uh, in Connecticut when I used to live in Connecticut. And Beth Lees, who is the owner, and she's been a guest on this show, the, the leader of this networking group, she has these little tarot card business cards. So each one's a tarot card because that's her jam. And then, you know, she has a little sticker on the back with all her info. So it's always really fun at the end of one of these networking things because you pull your card and then Beth tells you what it means. And so I'm I'm challenging life, right? I'm challenging fate. I'm like, normally, you know, I feel into the deck and which one do I want? And I'm like, I'm going to just take whatever's on the top. I'm just going to trust life to give me whatever's on the top. That's mine. Well, I pull the tower. And I used to read tarot cards for myself in high school. And the tarot was a very frequent visitor because I had a very tumultuous high school experience. So I know all about this card and it's not a card that I want to draw, right? So it is getting me into this tailspin. And then the card follows me everywhere. You know, like it's, you know, it's like dropping out of the sky, like literally. And I I blogged about this. And, you know, for people that don't know, and Allison, you're probably a better person to explain this than I do, but the way that I think of the tower card and correct me, you know, if you haven't, if I'm wrong or you have anything to add, it's sort of like the transformation card where, you know, every, everything is coming down. You know, death is one of my favorite cards in the tarot because it's it's like it's a much softer transformation. It's more about the cycles of life, but the tower is just like it's all gonna burn. It's all gonna burn. Yeah. It's all gonna burn. And I really had a head trip over this, you know, and it, it started a long journey for me around this idea of I want to just trust in life and release my fears in life. And and boy, I've been having fun playing with that. But one of the other, I think it was 2019, actually, but whatever, doesn't matter because the funniest thing happened is that I, I blogged about this and I sent it out on my newsletter and one of my longtime clients emails me back and she says, Victoria, I think what this means is that you're going to move to California. <laughs> and I was like, no, we're thinking about moving to California at this point in time or ending a you know 28 year marriage or many of the other things that I have changed, you know, but that card was spot on. It was spot on. And what I learned from that experience was to really change my orientation to what what I thought the tower card had to mean. You know, that I thought that it had to be hard. Um I don't think that anymore. It's it's been interesting. There's been challenges, um but I don't think my life has necessarily been more challenging now than it was before I made all these transformations, just different challenges and you know, I own cuz life is lifey. So I don't believe that there are bad cards, just like I don't believe anything in life is necessarily a bad thing. But I do think that when we come into these decks with this expectation that, you know, there are bad messages and, you know, we can we can sometimes make ourselves unnecessarily uncomfortable. So I like the happy decks because I feel like I want to always orient my attention to what feels good. And, you know, that can be found anywhere, even in the tower card. Of course. Well, listen, whatever we think tends to be realized, right? Exactly. We allow ourselves to, you know, ruminate on something that that scares us or, you know, is uncomfortable or we go into those fear places. You know, we we don't want to attract that. We don't want to magnetize that. Bingo. We know that's how energy works. But tarot could also be like a change of plan. That's how I see it. The first thing I see with the tarot, depending on what I'm thinking about when I do cards like that, if I get the tower, I'm like, okay, something's not happening today the way I thought it was going to happen. That's always my first instinct. It's like change of plans. Oh, that's that's so much softer than... Yes. <laughs> Man, if I thought that, maybe I'd still be living in Connecticut right now. Maybe, maybe I just, you know, would have um, gone right instead of gone left, you know, when I was going to get my smoothie. <laughs> 
on your question. So I've had, and I've done readings too, where um, I have been at a crossroads or I have been in a life changing thing and the tower comes up and I get the answer that yes, it's going down, you know, and whatever is solid remains, whatever is true remains in the tower. Always. Yeah. You can't let go of anything that's essentially who and what you are and and what you need and what's aligned with your path. It just doesn't work that way. It's, it's always the universe editing for you. Even when, even when you can't see why it would do that. Exactly. So yeah. (laughs) Yes. A thousand percent. And it does not have to be hard. Like I said, and again, I had no question other than tempting fate by picking that first card and fate was like, okay, you want to tempt me? All right. You know, this is how it's going to flow. And it's, it's been a beautiful journey. I have, I have zero regrets. I'm glad. (laughs) Oh, really, really, truly wonderful and good. All right. Let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk briefly about, you know, how do you recommend people use these decks? I mean, some people use them professionally. Some people use them personally. We talked a little bit before we hit record. I don't use them professionally and never have, but I've been reading tarot for myself again since high school. I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't recommend the energy with which I was doing it when I was 15. And I still pull cards for myself all the time. What I love about cards for me, but for others is it, it gets you out of your mind if you do it right. You know, intuition involves this act of surrender. And many of us are not willing to still our minds long enough (laughs) to step into that space of not knowing so the real knowing can flow through. But the cards give us that opportunity, right? Because, you know, you're picking from a deck and that's an act of surrender. And what you get is what you get. So I really, I think that they're so powerful. And I think it's powerful too, like you said, your mind can be really loud and noisy. And when you pick a card, it orients you. It orients you. It gets you out of that mind for one second and orients you to something else. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many different ways to use cards depending on the cards and topic. So as I, you know, shared in the beginning, tarot was what I started with, actually kind of edited and uh, kind of ghost written a few tarot booklets um, at work, uh, but I haven't written my own tarot deck. I feel much more compelled to work with the oracles because the topics can really be a range and things that attract me. So for people that I would say, whatever you're attracted to when you're out shopping, right? If it's a topic, if it's um, the art, if it's the color, it's the vibrational energy of the deck, you don't really know why. I just love that. I just love the way it looks. I want to know what's inside the box. I say work with whatever you have over a period of time. So, um, you know, get to know your deck, make it a a little bit of a ritual. Sometimes people just want to pull one card a day and get to know the deck in that way. All of the decks have uh, suggested layouts or spreads that you could do. I've just found over time that um, I, I tend to work with, you know, a couple of decks at the same time for a period of time. That's just how it is for me. Right now, I'm using somebody else's deck. I I don't see it here on the table. But I've been going back and forth to England a lot and uh, spending time in Avalon, Glastonbury. And so I'm I'm very much into that uh, energy and kind of tapping into that energy. So it's not a deck that I've written, but I'm using somebody else's deck to do that. And it's it's giving me more of that connection, more of that understanding. And I feel like I'm in that vibration right now. So... Hopefully that answers the question. I love that. I feel like it's a, 
personal choice when you're out there looking or you're looking on, you know, Amazon or you're out in your local uh, spiritual store. A lot of places have like in Connecticut here, we had the Angel Co-op and she has every deck um, open for demo. So you could certainly go in and just see, look through it and see if you like it, you know, how does it feel in your hands? Um, do the images resonate for you? Do you get this um, feeling that you're, you know, this is something that you want to learn more about or you want to connect more to? So I think that's a perfect way to get started going down that road. I love that. Yeah. And the guides say too, they're saying that when you get a deck, you know, first of all, you find it's the energy and the, well, what I say is it's the energy of the deck that calls you that mm -hmm. resonates to you, but the power isn't in the deck, right? Once you get the deck, you make it your own is what they're saying. You make it your own and you start to develop a relationship with it. Just as if, you know, if you get a pendulum or you get whatever that you use, once you bring that home and you start playing with it, you know, you make it your own. And they say that's the most important part. Absolutely. But, you know, you as the author providing the blueprint, but the consumer, the user is taking that energy and making it their own and, you know, making it their tool for their wisdom and their guidance, which I think is a pretty potent point. Absolutely. And people find that their energy gets infused into the cards over time. Yeah. So like then the cards start to speak to you in all different kinds of ways. So. I love it. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap up. I want to hear if you have any parting words. But before that, I cannot help myself. Can I have a card, please? Oh, of course. You want Yay. something from the feathers? I definitely want something from the feathers, okay. unless you have another deck there that you feel called to, because I don't know all of your decks. We'll do this. Yeah, this is good. So when I pull cards, because I hate making decisions, I wait for the jumpers. Yeah. <laughs> so I always like have to, I have to wait till they fly out of the deck. Yeah, we'll just give it a little shuffle. So we'll see. Sometimes when people read for me, they get jumpers just because I have that energy now. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes you could just ask somebody for a number and then you can shuffle and count out that number. Ooh, that's smart. Um, that's a good way to do it. So why don't you do that? Why don't you give me a number and I'll count that? Seven. All right, seven. Ooh, the flicker. So I'll show you the feather. This is the feather. Is that a California bird? I've gotten that feather and I didn't know what it was. I think I may have that feather upstairs. That's the bird. It's called the flicker. Okay. He's a very large woodpecker and you'll see them here. I don't, they may be in California. I'm not quite sure. Highly possible. And the message is new rhythms are coming into your life now. You are encouraged to trust and adapt. And the, the flicker is, um, as I said, is a woodpecker. So the woodpeckers are all about rhythm right? Because they drum, they peck. And he actually, the flickers actually um, peck on the ground. So they're very grounded. They're very connected to earth, to Gaia, to mother earth. So I would say to you, um, keep connecting to the land, keep that as your promise uh, over the next period of time. And notice what evolves out of your connections to possibly the land where you're living, because that looks like it's a really special place. And then the other things that start to evolve there on the land, it almost feels like through this connection, you will start to, you know, expand out into other things that you're doing, um, nature-based. That's what I would say. I love it. And I bet you there's some other people today for whom that card resonates too. Allison, this has been so much fun. There were so many things I didn't get to ask you. So who knows? Maybe we'll chat again or maybe we'll do a Facebook Live and pull some cards. Who knows? But in the meantime, we got to wrap it up now. Can you please tell people how to find you and find all of your wonderful creations and everything else that you do? She does retreats too, friends. <laughs> really cool international retreats that we didn't talk about at all. So tell people where to find all that good stuff. All right. 
Thank you, Victoria. Thanks for having me. Um, you can go to my website. It's uh, com. You can connect with me on Facebook, Allison Zinacola, on Instagram, Allison Zinacola. I also do have a Mudras page uh, on Facebook. It's Mudras for Awakening the Energy Body, and that's the Dex page. Um, and I, I post some metaphysical things on there and suggestions. And if you uh, go to my website and you want to hear more about retreats or events, just send me a message and I'm happy to uh, share that information with you. I'm going to Peru, Sacred Valley this fall, next year to Greece. That's actually sold out that retreat. <laughs> we got a huge crew going to Greece. We're going to be connecting there in the Aegean and Glastonbury, England in 2024. If you're interested in Avalon and the energies of Avalon, the goddess there, uh, lots more other things coming. So it's been a pleasure being here. Thanks so much. Beautifulness. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And as always, I want to thank all of the listeners out there because I get to have these cool conversations because you guys are listening and check out our website as well to learn more about what's going on with me, with Cactus Blossom Retreat, all that good stuff. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. And very most importantly, have a wonderful day and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.